Here's a quote from our next guest in an article online. Quote, Putin is paying for his rockets and tanks by selling oil and natural gas to the world. Canada could take a big bite out of Russia's military funding by stealing many of Putin's oil and natural gas customers. It can't happen overnight, but we need to remember the world is facing a long-term problem with Russia. This is part of a, a release of an analysis by Second Street. It's a think tank uh, that it takes a look at Canada and Russia, and the headline says it all. Quote, Canada could displace half of Russian energy. Here to talk more about this report is the president of SecondStreet.org. A pleasure to welcome Colin Craig to the program. Mr. Craig, Colin, good morning. Well, good morning, Sterling. It's good to have you with us, Colin. Uh, talk to us a little bit about this analysis. What was the, the modus operandi? You talked to uh, people in the oil and gas industry. Uh, you took a look at short, medium, and long-term possibilities that Canada, uh, roles that Canada could play in the, in the global uh, petro sector. Talk to us a, a little bit about how the report got put together. Sure. Well, I, I guess the start of this uh, came from the horrific images that we've seen and the horrific news stories we've heard coming out of Ukraine. Sure. Um, everyone's familiar with those. It's absolutely appalling what's happening over there. And so we thought about the old expression, follow the money. And of course, that leads one to understand that Russia is paying for the tanks and the rockets that they're using by uh, selling oil and gas to the world. So we thought, well, you know, a lot of people had commented that Canada could be the supplier that nations could buy their oil and gas from instead of Russia. Sure. Uh, that's been talked about a lot. We thought, well, how much can Canada actually produce? If we made it a priority as a country to offer the world an ethical supply of oil and gas so they don't have to buy from a regime like Putin, what can we do? And so we, we ended up serving about eight experts in the oil and gas sector. These are people that uh, quite often media will turn to for comment. And we said, can you give us some estimates? What can we do in the short term, the medium term, and the long term? Mm -hmm. And we then averaged what they told us and compared that with what Russia's producing or exporting, rather, in the short, medium, and long term. So we could understand how much of a bite we could take out of uh, uh, Putin's oil and gas sales. And the short term being in, in the next year, medium term, Colin, being in the next three to five years, and then long term, then you're out seven to ten years down the road. Clearly, uh, we're not in a position to do much right now because we're not able to get product to Tidewater. So in the short term, uh, our ability to do much is, is quite limited. What did your experts tell you about uh, going out a little further than just one year from now, Colin? Well, yeah, you're, you're 100% right. I mean, you, you can't just build a pipeline overnight, as we all know. But once you start looking in that, that medium to long term, then it really starts to increase in terms of how much we can displace of uh, Russians' energy sales. Medium term, you're looking at around 18 19% for natural gas and oil, uh, crude oil. Um, and then once you get into that longer term period, so by the end of the decade, we could be displacing about 46% of Russian crude and about 59% of uh, Russian natural gas. So that's very significant, especially when we consider that we're one country. If, if other nations step up, like the United States and others, well, we could really take a very huge bite out of uh, the, the size of uh, Russia's uh, energy exports. And, you know, the, the one thing I think we all need to focus on is that this is not a short-term problem. In the short term, we have Russia has invaded Ukraine. We have to do what we can, I think, to, to help out the people of Ukraine. 
But over the long term, who on earth wants to be buying energy from Russia, say, five years from now, 10 years from now? Uh, the world needs these resources. All the long-term forecasts say that we're going to be using oil and natural gas for decades to come. So right. it's a question of where do we get it? And, and this is where Canada does have an opportunity to step up. But it, it, it would fundamentally need a, require a, a different way of thinking and behavior uh, among governments in Canada. We, we can't keep turning down pipeline requests and blocking new projects. We fundamentally have to... Uh, start green lighting those if we're going to make a difference. Yeah, I was just going to say, the, the report says a key assumption is that our country makes it a priority to develop and export more resources. And clearly, the priority right now of the current government is exactly the opposite. Yes, yeah, no, for sure. And, and the report is very much focused on what is possible. What could we do if right. we as a nation stepped up to the plate and said, look, we have the resources the world needs we want to make sure the world can buy them from an ethical country like us instead of uh, a tyrant like Russia and some of the other ones that the world is dependent on right now. So, you know, I, I think, you know, when I talk about long term, we have to consider, too, well, who will Putin attack next? Right. I mean, he's done this a couple times now with Ukraine. Is he going to go after a, a NATO country next? Is he going to saber rattle in the Arctic? Like I was just going to say, past? we're already seeing more incursions into Canadian Arctic space in the last six months than we have in the last six years, Colin. Yeah, exactly. So I think we need to be mindful of that. And out of our own self-interest, if we start to take some of those dollars away from Mr. Putin, then he has fewer dollars to potentially be aggressive in the Arctic with us. So there is that benefit. The big question is the environmental side, because that, that's the holdup. And I think there's a good argument that this could be an opportunity to really help out the environment, too. So a lot of countries, as you know, uh, and your listeners know, they're using coal power right now. Coal emits twice as much in terms of emissions compared with uh, uh, cleaner burning natural gas. So if we can get our natural gas to some countries that are using coal, we can actually help reduce emissions. So that's one thing. The other thing is when we start to develop and export more uh, oil and gas products, that would unleash a huge, huge amount of tax revenues for governments. And they could use some of those dollars to support carbon tech, mm -hmm. technology that is reducing emissions. There are ways that governments can help companies out. There's some very fascinating and amazing things that entrepreneurs are doing to reduce emissions. And this could be an opportunity for Canada to really help that uh, that technology move along. Colin, in terms of the appetite by the government of Canada, I sense zero in terms of any kind of cooperation in this regard on this file at all. Do you think, however, in, in piled on top of the ongoing atrocities in Ukraine, if we start seeing our friends and allies in Europe, right across Europe, not just Ukraine, which is which is going to really have an awful winter, but a lot of Europeans are going to have a, a, a lower grade quality winter because they're going to have to be dealing with fuel shortages and brownouts and whatnots. Do you think after watching this happen for a, a, a cold, nasty European winter, some Canadians may have a rethink in terms of absolutely not? Or is this just going to uh, solidify positions? You know, I don't think... Uh the issue is so much with Canadians, it's with Ottawa, because we've done public opinion research on this, and 72% of Canadians say, yes, we need to step up to the plate, we need to develop and export more resources so the world doesn't have to depend on Putin. So the, the problem is not so much uh, you and I and your listeners, it's some of the, the men and women that are sitting in uh, Parliament right now, because uh, as we've discussed, the, the federal government has taken a completely different approach to this. 
And I, I think at some point they, they need to be a little bit more realistic. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, their, their focus is on green tech and all that. And that, that's, that's great. But we have to be realistic in the short term. Uh, even in the medium and long term, we're still going to be using oil and gas. That's just the reality. All the major forecasts out there, Paris-based International Energy Agency, the big energy information agency in the U.S., I mean, they're both saying that for decades to come, we're going to be using natural gas and oil. So uh, the question is, who does the world buy it from? They could buy it from a country like us. We're ethical. We're not going to take the money and use it to attack other nations. We could use the money to help reduce emissions and develop that technology. Or the world continues to buy from Putin, yeah. and we know what he does with the money. That's that's the choice we have to make, and I think that's the decision that Ottawa needs. To and I think it's going to crystallize over the winter time too. Friends, you can find lots more of this at secondstreet.org. Secondstreet, all one word. dot org. This story in particular: Canada could displace half of Russian energy. Colin Craig is the president of secondstreet.org. Colin, thanks very much for being with us today. Good to have you on the show, sir. Well, thanks a lot, Sterling. I appreciate your, your time and for uh, bringing, uh, talking about this issue. I think it's an important one. Uh, I think it's important, too. We appreciate it. Secondstreet.org. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.